podcast. We're about to start episode 53 with Isabel Libman. And Isabel was amazing. She had a lot to say. And I brought up that whole idea and topic of firing clients because it's been kind of a trending topic for me. And it's really interesting to get other coaches' perspective on it. And we're going to get her take on nutrition and how to deal with those clients that are having trouble staying consistent and trying to reach through them to make them successful. So let's get this episode started and hopefully you guys enjoy this one. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Isabel Lindman. Say hello. Hi. Uh, so can you tell the audience what you got planned for the weekend? Because it's a great way to kind of break the ice for everyone. Sure. Um, well, it's coming up on the 4th of July here in America. So um, we're going to be visiting a whole lot of people. And I'm basically going to be spending the weekend sort of in the car, unfortunately, driving um, up to Minnesota and back down to Chicago. And then Monday, I'm going to a wedding reception in Milwaukee and coming back that same night. So um, so I'm looking forward to actually the week starting. <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun over the weekend, but it's just, you know, sitting in a car for hours at a time is never fun. Jeez. So what, what's kind of like the tradition for 4th of July? Like, do you, do you do anything for it typically or? Yeah, I think the last few years, um, friends have thrown a barbecue and a party on their balcony. They've this awesome balcony porch thing on top of their garage. Um, and people bring a ton of food and wine and beer and, um, we all just get together. You know, it's hard to see friends when you're so busy throughout the year. So this is at least one time where we can all get together and hang out. So that's what we do. Nice. Yeah. Cause this weekend here in Canada is Canada day. And I just recently saw on Facebook a video of like two guys going back and forth. One's from Canada, one's from the States. And the guys in the States are like, Oh, what do you have to celebrate about? And we're like, Oh, well we actually have really good beer. We have poutine and we have this and we have that. It was just pretty funny. I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome but well excellent yeah it's funny though because like I've asked all my clients like oh are you doing anything for Canada Day they're like no not really like it, it, it seems like it's bigger than it really is but here in Canada it's kind of like almost laid back and maybe you'll have a barbecue who knows like we'll just see what kind of happens yeah that's so funny so this is gonna sound really stupid but is Canada Day on the same day every year did I not realize that it was the same Around the same time as Fourth of July here. Uh, it's July first every year. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's fun. There you go. And like t- this year is a big year because apparently Canada is 150 years old. So, like everywhere I go to every department store, like Home Depot, there's so much like Canadian swag that you can buy for your front lawn. And I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. That's, that's just me. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, there's, like, an inflatable Canada flag that you could put on your front lawn, but I don't no. think any, anybody's bought it yet. It's just, like, for show at Home Depot right now. That is awesome. I kind of wonder if I'm going to spot any here in Possibly. the States. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry? Sure. So, um, I am Isabel, as, as you've told everyone. Um <laughs> I 
own two companies. Um, I own Izzy Fit Personal Training, which is my own personal training and nutrition coaching company. And then also I recently acquired the studio that I work out of called TrueFit Personal Training Studios, which is um, a private gym that is by appointment only. um, And every trainer that works within it is completely independent. So they're not an employee of mine. They're not um, an independent contractor. They, like IzzyFit, get to run their business as they see fit within the the gym. So, um, which is really fun. Um, and the way that I got into the fitness industry is that, um, the first real job that I had after college, I required me to work from home and I worked on the computer and I was afraid of sort of melting into the couch after a while. So I joined a gym and I hired a trainer because I wanted to learn how to work out. And the trainer, her name is Anne. Um, she was super awesome. And, um, she actually stopped training at the gym and joined a private studio similar to the one that I now own. So she sort of introduced me to this whole possibility that a trainer doesn't have to work in a big box setting. They can have their own company. They can make their own rules. Um, so when it came time for me to make a career change, when I was really not, um, when I knew I wasn't doing what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, I had this aha moment thinking like, I want to help people feel better. Um, and the way that I can do that is by becoming a personal trainer myself. So I went back to school, I became a trainer, um, I got some internships and then when I felt ready, I started my own company. Um, and the rest is history. That's awesome. Like I recently have this, uh, woman who's getting into training and she's asking me all these questions like, Oh, where should I like start training? Like, what should I do? And I'm like, honestly, like don't go to a big box gym. Cause it's, <laughs> it's not a good experience because I did that and absolutely hated it. And it was so like salesy. You had to like undercut other trainers just to, like to survive. And then you had like a sales quota, And I'm like, honestly, if you go find like a private gym where you can train your own clients and kind of, you know, set the standard for yourself, it's kind of like just a better environment going into your career. Did you find that or? Yeah, well, you know, I, so I made this career change when I was like, I think I was 31 or something. And I felt kind of old um, to be making a shift. And I knew that I was uh, stubborn enough and and old enough that I didn't want to waste my time at a big box gym. And I say waste my time when I know that I probably missed some lessons that I could have learned working in a big environment like that. But, um, I, I don't think I would change it though, the way that I did things. I think, um, everyone has their own journey. I think, you know, I believe Josh Hillis, started in a big box gym and I, he's got some great lessons that he learned from it. I, um, interned at a gym that wasn't, it wasn't a chain or anything, but it was a big membership driven gym. And I learned a ton. Um, I also learned that I I didn't want to meet those sales quotas and I didn't, there was one gym that, um, I had applied to work at and decided 
that I wanted to run in the other direction when they said they were hiring me because I had sales background. And they said, you know, anyone can become a trainer, but not everybody can do sales. And I was horrified and was like, that is the philosophy that you have. I want nothing to do with you. Um, so yeah, so my journey was a little bit different and I, um, it just, it fit me and what my needs were, but, um, I don't know. I'm a big fan of internships though. I really think that above everything else, like new trainers should intern somewhere and learn as much as possible from other people. Yeah, it's um, funny because that's what I told this uh, woman that's getting into training. Like, you should like get it in, do an internship. Like, that's like the best way to learn because you know you don't have to waste time. Like, oh, am I doing this thing right? Or and then you mm-hmm. kind of figure out like, oh, that was a waste of time. Now I should be doing this. Whereas if you find a coach that's kind of you know well developed, they have their own business, they've kind of been through everything. They can just be like, do this, this, and this, and you'll be well on your way. Yeah. And, you know, if you're lucky and you find yourself in a setting that you really like and they really like you, it's just a great way to get a job. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Uh, um, Or you can find out what you really don't like um, without a whole lot of skin in the game, I guess, as well. Yeah, like I remember when I was leaving my big box gym, like I think it took me a year to kind of figure out how to be successful in it and what I figured out. But it, it was my transition into another gym that was a private uh, one where everything went well. But uh, my like two like tips I gave to this woman if she decided to go to a big box gym is be really good friends with the receptionist because like they are the gatekeepers to everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you're like the first person in their mind, you'll have a lot of people seeing you first. And yep. then be like buddy, buddy with the top sales guy or woman at the gym. Cause what I figured out is that when I became friends with the top sales guy, anytime he sold personal training, it went right to me and my schedule started filling up really quick. And I'm like, Oh man, this kind of sucks. Cause now I'm like moving to another gym, but yeah, those two things. And you could probably excel really well in a big box gym setting. Yep. And I think that that's it it makes me think of one other thing. Like there's a, um, a trainer I know who thrived. I know he thrived at a big box gym and is solo now and is having a really rough go at it because he's not necessarily a self-starter. And, um, sorry, my phone just rang. <laughs> um, and so for some people, big box gyms really are going to be like the best thing for them. And that's great because, they have lots of members who need trainers there too. So it's just knowing yourself, I think, and how you work best um, and then finding that right fit. Yeah. Like uh, the only person I know that does really well in that setting is Dean Somerset that I've had on the show before. Mm -hmm. And he actually came out um, this way when I hosted a seminar for his hip and shoulder thing. And I was chatting him up about how he kind of structured everything, but he's kind of now at the point where he's kind of like the rehab guy at that gym mm-hmm. and no one kind of really dictates like what he does. Cause now he's been doing it for so long and he gets all these referrals from physios and doctors and he's bringing in so much cash for the facility itself. So they don't even like bother him. Whereas mm-hmm. like, yeah, a new coach is they'll give them a little rougher time, but I'm like, that's really smart. Like, if you come in as a coach and you're like strictly rehab, that's another way to almost like filter those only those clients. Cause sometimes a new coach would be kind of 
intimidated to work with someone with like an ACL tear or something like that. Yep. It's true. Uh, so I was going to ask with the gym that you just got, like how are you structuring all the other coaches there to kind of work together, even though they're not working together? If that makes sense. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty organic. So are you, are you talking like culture wise? Yeah. Let's start with that. Logistically? Yeah. Okay. So the woman who owned the gym before me, her name is Meg. She did an exceptional job of being very picky about who got a key to work in the, in the gym because it's, you get a lot of freedom when you get the okay to work out of true fit. You get your key, you get to go in and out as you please. Um, you set your own hours, you, you know, you charge whatever you want to charge. Um, but above all, like the, the biggest core value true fit has is that we are a friendly, approachable, safe place for both the trainers and the clients. So when I walked in, she didn't know me. Um, I was just looking for a studio to work out of and train clients. She made me interview with her. I had to shadow for a few hours with different trainers, and then I had to do a mock training session with a, with a trainer. Um, so I basically had to go through this really rigorous sort of interview process as if I was getting a job, but it was all to make sure that personality wise, ethically, um, I would be a good fit. Cause it's not a huge gym. We're cut up into three smaller rooms, so it can be tight quarters. And if we don't all get along, then it, you know, it's miserable for everybody. Um, we also like, tend to get a lot of general population clients, um, and I know for Izzy Fit, I get a lot of clients who've never worked out before. So we want it to be a welcoming environment. Um, so sort of the opposite of a, an equinox, let's say, that's sort of um, like posh looking and um, almost exclusive. Like we want to be like cheers, but not a bar <laughs> where awesome. everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. Um, and so it, it's it's knowing it's like, you know, trusting your gut with the, the person that you're letting into your space. Um, and then sometimes having some conversations with people if they're not a good fit. Um, but that usually works itself out. Okay. Have you ever had like any issues with other like coaches kind of wanting their way instead of how everyone's kind of just meshing together? I have not. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. Because uh, again, like I, I, this is so recent. I bought it in December. Um, I remember one time a new trainer coming in when Meg was still the owner and he was um, the type of guy that would work out with his shirt off in the gym. You know, he did. Nice. I, don't, I don't know that he did, but it was so clear that he was not a good fit. I think he lasted two or three sessions, but he knew it too. As soon as, you know, he coached a few hours. Um, so it, there, there wasn't even a conversation to be had. He just left his key and never came back. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So now I'm kind of curious, like what's your kind of vision now that you've taken over this business? Like where do you want to see it go or kind of, do you want to keep it the same as is? Um, I think besides some aesthetic 
changes, I, I'd like to keep it the same. I still want it to be a community driven gym, um, where people feel like, you know, they don't have to pretend to be anybody. They're not, they can, they can start where they are, um, and sort of grow and get stronger. Um, I think it could definitely be busier and I'm working on that with my business coaches, like developing a system to generate more leads and, um, and get the gym buzzier and busier. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason I bought the gym from Meg or part of the reason she asked me to buy it from her is because she knew I wouldn't turn it into like, you know, a pole dancing studio or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's awesome. Yeah. No, no offense to pole dancing. It's just the furthest. that I could <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my vision is really right now just to get it busier with fun people. No, that's awesome. Cause like, I think community is a big, big thing. And I think as someone who does it really well is Mark Fisher out in New York. And like, mm-hmm. I love seeing his posts, what they do like in their gym. Like it just, with the colors, the music, like everything about it, there's just something that attracts people to it. And I think if you can build a strong community, like even your clients will see better success. And like, I feel like at my gym, like we do a pretty good job when, you know, you finish training a couple clients and all of them are still chatting at the front desk and they're like, you guys can leave now if you need to, but they just want to stay as long as possible, which is like freaking awesome. Yeah. I'm actually wearing a Mark Fisher fitness sweatshirt right now. Oh, nice. I've got the air on in my house and I'm cold. So maybe I should turn it off. Um, yeah. And it's, it's neat to see how many other gyms are creating their own communities and cultures. And, um, I, I feel like I need to figure out how to do that even better at TrueFit. It's tough when, you know, the, the trainers all have their own clients and I don't know their clients as well. Um, so my big goal is to do two big, um, gym wide events a year where we can get together, have fun, maybe do something, um, like go bowling or do, you know, something fun. Um, and maybe for charity and just sort of get to know each other better um, in that way. Cause it is kind of a challenge when you've got 20 different trainers with 20 different, um, personalities and, you know, um, creating one mass culture is just a little bit more challenging. But. Yeah. Like the one thing that we do in our gym is, um, we'll have like the finisher of the month where it's either you get like points for certain exercises or it's timed and you see how fast you can do it. And then you start putting down all the clients' names and their times or their points. And then they start like looking at this board every time they come in and they're like trying to make a strategy how to beat the other person. But even though they even met the other person yet, and then when they finally meet, they're like, oh, you're the guy that keeps beating me. And then like, ah, that's and, awesome. like it, it, it gets like it's slow at the start. But then when people like if all the coaches start doing it, then that board becomes so long with all these lists of names. And then you're looking forward to the next month's finisher and you're like, I'm finally going to get that guy down or something. Oh my gosh. I'm totally going to talk to people about that. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Uh, so let's switch gears into nutrition. Cause I'm kind of curious. I always like, like talking to other coaches and how they like set themselves up and how they coach. So for you with nutrition, like how do you do it? Do you do macros? Do you do calories? Do you do habits? Like what's your method? 
I do habits. So uh, like you, I am a precision nutrition certified nutrition coach. Um, and it took me a while to figure out how to integrate that into my coaching um, in an official kind of way or how to offer nutrition coaching. Um, and it turned into um, my program called Clean Slate 28, which runs quarterly. Um, but this year being sort of the big, hey, I just bought a gym year, I'm, it will only run three times this year, which is a bummer because it's a seasonal program. Um, so clean slate 28 runs for 28 days. So four weeks and it's, um, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And the habits that we work on are linked to the season that we're in. So, um, for example, um, in the fall, that fall clean slate starts at the very end of September and it ends, at the end of October, um, just in time for the holidays to start kick in. Um, so we'll work on, uh, meal planning. Um, we will work on adding in lean protein. We're going to actually work on stress and sleep management, which has nothing to do with food, but does. Um, and then there's a fourth habit that I can't think of off the top of my head, but all of this is to say, these are habits that are going to set you up for success when the holidays do come. Um, the holidays being stressful times, times where you're not really sure where every meal is coming from. If you're going to lots of parties, but at least you'll know how to structure your meal. Um, okay. So that's like the fall versus the summer, which, um, where we practice tracking snacks and drinks, um, making the best choice in the environment that you're in. Um, because you know, summertime people travel and I am definitely not going to tell anyone like, well, you want to lose this weight. So you shouldn't eat that ice cream in, <laughs> you know, Italy or wherever you are. <laughs> um, so it's it, habits that go more along the lines of creating awareness and, and keeping awareness so that you, at least, you know, that you're making decisions, um, and you can stand behind those decisions <laughs> rather than just absentmindedly sort of drinking a bottle of wine and eating the pizza and doing all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, in the fall looking in the mirror and thinking like, what just happened? No, um, you're so right. I hope it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Like I, I, totally like the whole idea of habit-based nutrition because one like you can measure and track it which is just an awesome tool because I use like when I have my online coaching clients I use like a basic google sheet spreadsheet that I've created for each habit that they have to track and anytime a client feels like they're not progressing and they're not doing any like not doing enough I'm like okay let's look back at your habit tracker like from your first moment you signed up you weren't doing anything and now you've mastered seven habits like you eat breakfast you drink more than just a half a cup of water a day and you're actually exercising every second day like all these things that you've changed you've never done before so you are progressing and they're like oh okay well that does make sense and mm -hmm. that's why i really like the whole idea of habits whereas like you know, in the past, you're like, here's your diet plan. You can't eat these 30 things and you have to keep the 1500 calories go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, coming into nutrition and fitness from, um, 
like the plebeian side, like the, I was a, you know, person that was not a fitness person. Um, I still love going out to dinner a lot and I love drinking wine and I am not going to tell anybody not to do it in order to reach their goals. Um, I feel like the reason people fail at weight loss or at achieving their goals is when like the expectations, their expectations don't meet reality. And when, um, they set themselves up for failure, you know, thinking that they can do this restrictive thing for the rest of their lives. Or maybe, you know, most of the time, maybe people aren't even looking long-term. They're just thinking about that 30-day challenge and then think that they don't really have to do much else after that. Um, so... Yeah, like I find that interesting when people will like look for those 30 day challenges thinking that it's going to fix everything that's wrong in their diets and like lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, yeah, they restrict themselves, restrict themselves. And then the 30 days is over and they're like, ah, now I can eat everything that I can't, (laughs) I couldn't eat before. And then you're just like in this vicious cycle of going into a restrictive diet and then eating back to normal and just going back and forth, back and forth. And then you're like, why isn't this not working for me? Yeah. And that's the cool thing. Yeah. About habits is that you're creating them. I mean, if you communicate it well enough to your clients, you're teaching them something that's going to be with them for the rest of their lives that can be tweaked to fit where in their life they are, if they are on vacation or if they are, you know, um, if it's a big holiday time, um, that, that, you know, there's a sliding scale of how how intensely they can practice this habit. So when, when people are like, I don't have to eliminate alcohol. I don't have to eliminate sugar. I don't have to do all this stuff. I think some, for some people it really freaks them out because they're used to all or nothing. Um, and, and so that's kind of a journey to help coach somebody from, from the all or nothing mentality into more of like a, a long-term, um, gray area strategy, but, um, but yeah, you know, and I think clean slate actually came out of a lot of challenges that I was running that were complete failures because, you know, on day 29, people are like, I'm going to continue doing this for at least another month. I totally could see myself not eating bread for the rest of my life. (laughs) And then then, like they go out to dinner and they have a piece of bread and it's like, it's like going back to a drug that they used to do, you know, they're like, Oh my God, this was so good. Why did I say that? I could, um, it's a slippery slope. Definitely. Uh, what do you do for like, especially during the summer where clients tend to drop off your schedule or cause they rather be outside, like in their backyard in the pool doing nothing but drinking beer so they don't show up as much anymore and their like diet goes out the window like how do you kind of keep on top of these clients to make sure they just don't fade away and just like disappear on you yeah actually I don't have that um I don't really have that issue anymore um because I charge my clients sort of like um 
as if they have a membership. So they get charged monthly. They have a certain amount of sessions that they um, have to use every month. So people stay pretty consistent. Um, there are a few clients who travel a little bit more. And so um, if they ask, I will give them a program to do on their own. Um, but for the most part, I don't, it's, it's not really um, an issue because it, it's just sort of been ingrained that training isn't necessarily a seasonal thing. And just because you're on vacation or just because you're at the pool doesn't mean that you can't move around and you know what happens if you just stop exercising and stop paying attention to your nutrition, like you'll see things going the other way that you want them to go. So, um, so I tend to not see that so much with my clients. Okay. Cause like over the years I've trained, you know, the clients that will eat up everything you give them and they're like super motivated to get things going. And then you have the ones that almost kind of like they have their ups and downs, ups and downs. And usually summer's kind of like that big hit where they're like, you know, I'm going to drop down to only one day a week so I can spend more time doing X, Y, and Z. And you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then that one day a week turns into like, oh, I'm just going to take off next week because we're going to go on this trip. And then that trip turns into, you know what, I'm going to take that, the whole summer off. And then they come back in like September and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I took all that time off. I feel like I'm starting <laughs> from like day one. I'm like, yeah, like that, that, that's like one of the things that I always try to tell clients is that even though like summer's around the corner and you're going to get, you know, all these different offers to go to parties and barbecues and a whole day on the boat, like just like maintain the minimum. So then coming back is not such a big ordeal for you. And like, it's tough to see, especially like clients that are older and like their sixties and seventies that, you know, when they come back, they're like, I'm back on my high blood pressure meds. And I'm like, God, if you just oh. worked out, like we could have prevented this. Mm -hmm. So I always find it interesting how people's like brains kind of fall into like these ruts or like these bad habits of not doing anything and then just paying the consequences after. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, that's a discussion to have too, I guess, with clients, which can be a tricky maybe when the question becomes like, what are your expectations? How do you want to feel when the fall starts and then sort of create something around that? I mean, like just talking to other trainers too, it's like, God, it's so hard to stay like stay slim and have really high quality workouts in the summer because all you want to do is sit outside and drink beer or drink rosé and you just feel a little bit more lethargic and it's hard to get after it. Um, but if you understand that that's just how it's going to be, if you make the decision, if you, you know, put your big girl or big boy pants on and you say like, I'm an adult and I'm making these choices and I understand what the consequences are, then, you know, all right. So be it. The getting back on high blood pressure medication, though, that's that sounds treacherous and terrible. And um, but knowing if that you're maybe going to gain a pound or two because you're not getting after it as much, like I think as long as you're making that choice, it's okay. Like it's everyone's got different goals. <laughs> yeah, like I, I tell all my clients, like summer 
put realistic like expectations, you're not going to drop 10 pounds. Like that's never going to mm-hmm. happen unless you like stay home and absolutely do not go outside. But, you know, just maintain what you have. And then when you come back from summer, then grind it out, like hit it hard and you'll actually see some great success. But um, I was going to ask, like, how how do you make fitness a priority for your clients or kind of portray that? So then they're like, okay, this is going to be an important thing for me and I'm not going to miss it. Well, I can't make fitness a priority for my clients. They have to do that for themselves. And I think it's just really asking them through like building a relationship with them, what they value, um, in their life. Do they value good health? Do they value, um, being able to run around with their grandkids? Do they value being able to like keep up with their friends when they take like that group exercise class that everyone else seems to be doing really well? And, and then just asking them as it, as things go, you know, Oh, how many times did you, were you able to train last week? Oh, you didn't. Well, how do you feel? Um, and then sort of tying it back to what they value. Um, cause actions speak louder than words. And, um, I think helping them stay aware that their actions don't match what they say they really care about, uh, can help them sort of figure out like, Oh, you're right. Um, I really need to make changes in my life. My co one of my coaches, um, actually had to sit down with me and said like, you look at your schedule. It's freaking crazy. How are you going to fit your own exercise in? Um, and after really coming to grips with the fact that like my lifestyle wasn't allowing me to, um, stay on top of my own fitness. I changed my schedule. So I I had to let a few clients go and that really sucked because it meant losing money when I was just building my business. Um, but ultimately it made me a functional fit human being again. Um, and you know, I, I just changed some stuff around. Um, I have the luxury of doing that. Not everybody does, but, um, sometimes you just have to make really tough decisions. And like, I've kind of come to this conclusion that, you know, some people just don't know how to say no to things and they just Mm -hmm. keep building and piling on top of their already busy life. And then something has to give like, Mm -hmm. I just, it's tough because like, if you're like a nice person, you want to say yes to everybody, but you can always say no in a nice way and people will understand that and eventually they'll like respect you for saying no, Mm -hmm. but Oh, it's just interesting to me how, like, you can make your work your priority, and that takes like over everything. But then everything else can suffer, and then your health starts deteriorating. And yeah, it's like it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and like it, it also really sucks to say. Um, I have a friend who's in this position right now, looking at her schedule right now. Man, she like she it would almost be detrimental to her health to fit exercise in. And that sounds insane, but she's just sort of, um, basically unless she quits her job, she just, you know, she has to sleep at some point. Um, 
And so there are maybe times in life where people just have to pay more attention to their nutrition than they do with their exercise. Um, and I know that you always have a choice, but sometimes you're just really in between a rock and a hard place and that it's, it stinks when you see that happen to people, but hopefully, um, they get motivated enough to find some other option that will help them have a better, more balanced lifestyle. Um, and it's hard, you know, if you're in your late twenties or early thirties and you're just starting out, it's hard to see long-term like the big picture, like, you know, you should really start now to, to secure yourself as healthy, um, a life as you can have in like your sixties and seventies and beyond. So, um, have you yeah. ever had, um, like that conversation with a client that's kind of been off and on, off and on to be like, Hey, like what's going on? Do you value your health as a priority? Like, have you ever had a sit down conversation with a client before? Um, I'm sure I have. I can't <laughs> think of like one very clear example. Um, cause I just find like, I would totally do it, but I was like, would you be going like too far or like if you say something it might trigger them to be unhappy and they might like blow up in your face and leave and start telling everybody how bad of a person you are like I because like everyone's a little different like you know you never know right so I'm like should I should I start being like that or like uh, that's why I'm just asking if you had success doing that um I can think of like one client who was going to take some time off and, um, and I knew, or I felt pretty confident that if she did, um, she wouldn't follow through, um, with training on her own. Um, and I am pretty sure that I just laid out some questions for her to answer saying, listen, I completely understand where you're coming from. If you need to take some time off, that is natural and normal. I would like you to consider this. Um, you know, what do you need to get through day to day physically? How often do you think you can, um, work out on your own? And I, and she didn't talk about dropping out after that. Okay. <laughs> so, I, it's not a confrontational type of thing. I think it's just, you know, really asking those important questions for them to answer themselves and also making sure that they understand, like, it is okay to take some time off. It is your choice. You are allowed to do it because you're an adult. Um, and I think people sometimes need permission to back out of things to get the full picture of what it is they really need to do. Okay. Yeah, because I... I've been trying to gather as much information about people taking time off to see like what's going on through their minds. And like I'm part of a Facebook group and it's a bunch of people that are like really into fitness. So I asked this question, like, have you ever experienced a time in your life where, you know, stuff got crazy and you just needed to take a break from the gym? How long did you take off? And like how, what was your experience? And like, I had all these people commenting, like, you know, I was divorced. I had a kid with a, with my new boyfriend and he dumped me. Like there was like some crazy stuff. Like I was like, holy shit, like that's crazy. Right. And Mm -hmm. then when my follow up was like looking back at it, 
would you have had time to, you know, go for a walk, maybe to kind of like de-stress yourself or show up to the gym just once a week or once every like two weeks or something like was there room for it or were you just completely like wiped out? And every person said like, I wish I did. And I'm like, okay. But I had one person that got so angry at me asking that question. Oh wow. And I was like, I I was like, I was just shocked. I was like, I had to like reread what I was talking about. I'm like to make sure if I like, I don't know if I miscorrected some, I don't know what happened, but this person took it the completely the wrong way. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, what if I decide to like ask these questions to like clients and that the same thing happens? So it's really interesting how people perceive things like that. And I've, yeah. I've almost like come to the conclusion, like it just really depends on how people take on life stress. Right. Cause you yep. know, one person can like get into a car accident or like 10 grand in debt because of X, Y, and Z. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to go on the gym on Monday. Cause that's going to help me. And then the mm-hmm. other person's like whole life is, shattered to pieces and they just want to stay in bed forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Dan John calls it like, this is like red light, yellow light, green light. And yeah. there are some light moments in your life where mm-hmm. things, something's got to give. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's fitness, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's totally individual. Um, the way people handle stress. It's amazing. It, Sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, I think, you know, if like, asking your client lots of questions to determine whether it is just poor time management or if it is really like a life stressor, they really do need to take some time off. That is also really important. Like I said, like my coach had that conversation with me. Um, cause, cause miscommunication or like assuming that something is going on when it's really not could be sad. like a, a missed opportunity for somebody to feel better by either taking time off or figuring out how to fit more stuff in. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say like the amount of times that Dan John has been like mentioned on this podcast is just, <laughs> just, just ridiculous. I'm like, this guy has like influenced so many people. And the craziest part, like I think I've maybe told the story once is that like when I first started this podcast, I cold emailed Dan and he's like, yeah, I'll hop on your podcast. And like, yeah. I'm like, you're such a big name and you say yes to like chatting with someone that you met at a conference like four years ago that you probably don't even remember. And I'm like, man, you're amazing. And then as my podcast has like grown, like all these people will like refer to something he said or in his book or when I saw him speak, like he's just an amazing person. (laughs) He, I call him the Pope. He's the Pope of personal training, of coaching. He, he's just so wise um, and, um, yeah, generous. Um, and it is amazing that he will get back to you within 24 hours over email. Um, where was I going to go with this? Um, yeah, like a couple examples I had with two clients particular, like one is a new mom with two kids and she consistently will show up twice a week at 6 a.m. And I asked her, like, how do you, like, make time? Like, I can only imagine. Because she also also has, like, a full-time job. And she's like, I wake up my husband at 5 a.m. to make sure he's with the kids and I go to the gym. And I'm like, man, that's, like, amazing. And then I have, like, mm-hmm. a, another mom that had to drop down to one day a week. Both of her kids are older, like, 8, 9, around there. And she has no job. And one day a week is like a miracle for them to show up. 
I'm like, that's so interesting how two people can be completely different when it comes to life stress. And mm-hmm. then another good example is like I had one um, client, her father died on a Wednesday and I was supposed to train her on a Thursday. And then she like texted me like, Hey, I can't come in. I'm like, I totally get it. And then she was scheduled on Monday. I'm like, most likely she's not going to show up. I didn't hear from her. Like nothing happened. And like Monday morning she was there. I was like, you're like an amazing individual. She's like, well, I just, I just have to do it. Cause like, I just can't just put myself in a little bubble and just, you know, close myself off from the world. Like I just need to like keep going. And I, it, it just fascinates me how people take on, these stresses that come and go in your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and with the mom thing, like I'm, I'm not a mom, I don't have kids, so I don't pretend to understand the logistics that go with having children and childcare and all that stuff. Um, and that's where I, that's, I find that, um, to be a challenge. Um, going back to talking about like, how do you talk to your clients about, prioritizing, um, fitness. Um, it's a tough conversation for me to have with a mom because I'm not one. Um, and when somebody says they literally like can't even really take a shower, I feel like I can't really have a conversation about like, well, you know, you really should at least try to get five minutes of core work in, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't like probably 90% of my clientele are all moms. And I've like picked up on certain things where if you just like ask them, like what would make it easier? Like best case scenario for you to have more time with your kids to do X, Y, and Z. And what I figured out is like anytime the kids are sleeping, mm-hmm. that's their free time. And I'm like, perfect. That's something to like keep in my back pocket and like, I just mm-hmm. got this new online client and she has three kids and they're all like within two years apart. And wow. I just asked her, I'm like, so when do you have time for yourself? She's like, well, when they're napping or when the two other ones are at daycare and the youngest one is sleeping. And I'm like, so how long do you usually have? She's like, oh, about like 20 or 30 minutes. And that's when I usually just kind of like sit down, relax. And I'm like, would you be open to doing like a warm up for your workout and she's like yeah I can probably do that I'm like there you go like sometimes clients will just give you the answer and you just have to like guide them to that direction Mm-hmm. yep but I don't know um the next thing I was gonna say like bring up because I've been asking this a couple episodes now is the whole idea of firing clients and mm-hmm. I was chatting with Josh about this actually where I'm doing nutrition coaching for this one client and her um, coach that she sees physically to at the gym kind of had enough that, you know, she wasn't putting enough effort in to show up and always had these excuses and he basically just let her go. And then in my opinion, I was like, man, that kind of like sucks because what's the chances of her finding someone else to train her? Cause she probably feels super down about herself that, you know, she let someone down, but, um, I don't, so many coaches have different opinions about this. So I'm kind of curious to see what you think about it. Um, so I have some thoughts about it. I actually, <laughs> I just actually got fired by a client, um, last week, which was oh. just like the most interesting experience. Um, it was somebody that, um, I was considering 
not, I don't want to use the word fire. Um, it was, it was very clear that she was not an ideal client for me. Um, but she picked me and she was very consistent. Like she, she overslept maybe twice in six months. Um, but otherwise she was there. And when I, I had to leave town suddenly, she took me up on my offer to see another trainer so that she could stay consistent with her training. Um, but attitude wise, let's just say like we wouldn't have gone out and had a meal together. Okay. Um, so, so it was like challenging. Um, but, but the reason I didn't pass her along to anybody else is because she kept showing up and because she kept working really hard. And, um, and I felt like not to like go into what was going on in her life, but I felt like I needed to be that steady, um, rock, I guess if, if anybody in her life was going to be that, cause it seemed like no one was like, let that be me. Um, and I think in this case it would have been detrimental to say, um, you know what, I think that you'd be better off with somebody else. Um, but with other people, like if somebody is not coming in, um, if they're not putting in the work that the trainer is expecting them to put in, it could just be that it's a bad match and they need to have a conversation about it. Um, something along the lines of, you know, Hey, I've been noticing that you've been missing some sessions. What's going on? Um, in an open and friendly way, not in like a, what is going on kind of way. <laughs> um, because if the trainer's feeling it, if the trainer's feeling like, Oh God, I really want to let this person go. Chances are, the client's feeling it too. And there might be a really good constructive way to find a better fit. Maybe this client would thrive, um, doing Zumba or something and not strength training. And maybe then she would show up every time. Um, maybe the trainer's expectations of the client are not the same as the client's expectation of the client. And that is something really important to keep in mind. Um, that you can't want the change in your client more than the client wants it. Um, so yeah, I think that there are good times to not fire, but, um, refer out. Um, but it just depends on how you're going to do it. Okay. Fair enough. Like, cause I've had clients in the past where, I could tell what I was doing wasn't really what they were looking for. And they were almost looking for like, like you said, almost like a Zumba atmosphere where everything has to be fun and you're just sweating and there's loud music constantly. And I was like, you know what? Like most likely this person would be happier if they actually did a Zumba class and had a Zumba instructor compared to me working on, you know, core stability doing, like bird dogs and dead bugs that they were just like yawning as they're doing it. And I'm like, yeah, obviously like that's not a good fit. And I'm like, I totally understand. Let's find you someone and make that transition. So in my example, the the transition to refer out never happened. So mm-hmm. you kind of just like left your ex client high and dry, like go fend for yourself. And that sucks getting like the feedback from her. I'm like, man, like, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that in that way. 
But no I think, way. Because like at least the least thing you can do is like refer out like oh this trainer over here is going to be great for you like you guys are going to jive really well because sometimes personalities just don't mix like yeah I totally get that and you know one person's personality is like maybe super quiet and the person you're working with is like that super outgoing has to talk to everybody has to be yelling all the time and you're just like okay just chill out <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah like. It's an interesting topic because there are some even like clients that, you know, not clients of trainers that if a client is not going to put in 100% effort, they don't even bother. But yeah, I think, you know, I think that's totally fair. I know some trainers who are like that too. And I think that then they, it's their job to be very picky about what clients they take on. Um, I think I was listening to your interview with Karen Smith and like, she doesn't have very much time to take on someone who's just going to be like, Oh yeah, I think I might try this out a little bit. Like they have to be dedicated so that she's actually, you know, she's not in it for the money. She wants to help people get stronger. Um, so I totally get that. But, um, but like that's, again, I think that's sort of on the trainer to, to pick, choose wisely, I guess. Um, because not everybody is, I'm not even, I'm not either this way. Like, no, it's rare to find a person that's like, okay, I'm signing up for this. I'm going to be totally 100% dedicated to this. Um, I'm not going to miss a session and I'm going to eat <laughs> clean 90% of the time. Like, it's rare to find that person. So you just have to, I don't know, I guess, create the space um, for your client to find success, let the client define what that success is in the first place. Um, and then help them figure out how to get there. But I don't know, there's a way to get rid of a client and then many ways not to, um, I don't know if I made any sense there. <laughs> no, like we're, we're just like spitballing like ideas. Like I like it, but, um, yeah. I don't but know. I think like clients are in such vulnerable positions. I think, um, we forget that sometimes. And so we just sort of flippantly tell them, you know, I think our time is up <laughs> and, <laughs> and we don't like really understand it. Sometimes it feels like a breakup for them and they feel betrayed. And what are the chances of them hiring another trainer? And, you know, if, if this is their, um, experience with fitness, like, no, I wouldn't expect that person to want to come back. It takes balls to put yourself out there and say, I need help. Can you help me? Um, so I don't know. Oh, for me, like I kind of look at like now I've maybe the last two years have changed my mind about it where I want to basically help as many people as possible. And even if they are the tough client that I'm constantly like stressing about, I almost find it now more of a challenge and it makes me more hungry to like get through this person because what if I'm that person that gets through to them and they see this huge success and if I quit on them, it might've never, ever happened. Yeah. And I don't know, that's just for me. Like I, I find it almost like I have to do it. Like I want to be there. So I always tell clients like, I'm here for the long haul. And if you are too, then awesome. And if you want to leave at any point, I totally understand like no hard feelings, but just remember 
whatever happens into your life, like me standing here in front of you will always be with you. So like, don't even worry about it. But Mm -hmm. that's just me. Like, I totally understand when some trainers get frustrated and they don't want their time wasted. So they're going to, you know, look for someone else. Because I've even heard the argument where if a trainer is, I don't know, into like aesthetics and they're building a whole platform on getting people shredded there, you don't want someone that's overweight that's going to make their business look bad. But oh, well, I don't know. I mean, and that's their prerogative, right? Yeah. Like if, if somebody on the other side, if somebody came to me and said they wanted to train for a physique competition, like I'm not your girl, I'm not going to get you there. So I'll refer you out. It's again, it's like, you know, we all get, well, unless you work at a big box gym, we all (laughs) get the chance to say no. Um, or, Hey, you know, I don't think that I, I've said this so many times to people, like, I don't think that I am going to help you get to where you want to be as well as this other person. So let me introduce you to them. And like, I'm totally with you with that whole, like that challenging client that you're like, you know what? Challenge accepted. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to create this space where you just become the best version of you. But sometimes like, I, I wonder with this particular client, would she have been better served by me saying, you know, I'm getting the impression that you're not happy here. Can, is there something that you're looking for that you're not getting here? Um, can I help you get that somewhere else? And like, that's not how I would start the conversation, but, um, but I have to ask myself, like, what were the last six months sort of, and she got great results and she said that, but but could she have gotten better results somewhere else with a better fit? Had I not been like challenge accepted, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know sometimes, but it's hard to have those conversations because you like want to believe that you're, you're the one to help them, even if they're making it really hard. Um, so kind of last question, I think it will be kind of good to leave it off here is cause I've been asking this probably almost every episode. Do you think, uh, as the fitness industry as a whole, are we like, as in the good trainers out there doing enough to educate the general population about what good nutrition and what good training is? I think so. Like, I, I don't know that I have my finger on the pulse of, of what's going on. Like, internationally or even nationally. Um, I think that I'm seeing more and more and more people talk about nutrition habits, about breathing and crawling and all that good stuff. So I think the word is spreading, um, as much as there's like pretty bad information out there, but at least there's information that people get to to choose from. Um, and I think precision nutrition is doing an excellent job of making, um, you know, habit based nutrition coaching be known. And I think pro coach, and though I have not used it and I don't really know that much about it, I think it's, it's getting to more and more people. Um, I think that Georgie fear and Josh Hillis and Roland, like, I think they're all doing an awesome job 
on their side to reach out um, and spread the word and getting more and more people underneath them to sort of help spread it too. So yeah, I think we're doing a good job. Um, it just stuff takes, takes time. It takes time to like undo the damage done by like Tracy Anderson. And, (laughs) 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 um, but, uh, but you know, I think we just have to keep at it, I guess. Yeah. Cause like as much as the people that we follow and you're like, Oh yeah, everyone's doing an awesome job. You still get your clients that come in or like, so what do you think about this two week cleanse? Like, should I do it? And you're like, no, come on. <laughs> I thought we've been through this already. No, but you know, like I sort of feel like huh, at a certain point, like let them try it out and maybe it will work for them. Cause and I just made a Tracy Anderson joke and I think she's, wow, I have my own feelings, but it helps some people, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know? Um, so so it's, you know, again, people get to choose what they believe. And if it's a cleanse, well, oh, I don't know. Um, I could do without hearing the word detox and toxin ever again. <laughs> but um, but I, I'm also, my liver's healthy. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I think as long as, as long as we all approach it in, with like good hearts and that there isn't just one way to do things that we're just contributing to the conversation and not trying to knock anyone else down unless it's Tracy Anderson. Um, (laughs) then, you know, like let's keep going and let's, let's also be open-minded enough to look at the other stuff and see value in it. Um, if there is any, (laughs) perfect. Uh, so let's end it off there. And very last question, where can people find you online? Uh, what your social media taglines are and if you have any projects coming out and anything like that? Sure. Um, so you can find me at izzyfit.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at izzyfit, um, or on Facebook at, uh, it's backslash izzyfitpt. Um, clean slate starts up, uh, September 25th and you can sign up for it now. Um, that is kind of it project wise, except for like bumping up the business at TrueFit. Um, so yeah, I would love more, more connections and stuff. So visit me. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So I just want to thank you so much for all your time. This was amazing. Well, thank you for having me on. So that's going to wrap up episode 53 with Isabel. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And now I want to talk to you guys about my transformation challenge. So I just posted earlier this week a pre-sale VIP list that if you put your name on it, you're going to have 24 hours before everybody else that can sign up for it. And if you haven't seen the video I posted of what the transformation challenge is about, I highly recommend you check it. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at rafael at empowerhp.ca. Hit me up on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll uh, see you guys next week.